Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. What's going on? I'm Lucky Saruti director of kindness of strangers freak and uncle Slezo's toxic and terrifying tv hour and you're listening to sick on cinema baby Sup, fuckers. <laughs> Sup, motherfuckers. Sup, motherfuckers. Welcome to Mild Symptoms. Which one is this? Is this four? Four, I think, yeah. Damn. I can't, I can't believe we got it this far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something, I was like, I forgot. <laughs> I, for, I forgot. I just got off work, and it was a long night. Oh, my God. This, this weekend's going to be hell for me, too. Yeah. Because we've got multiple places to do. I'm just like, I want to hang with myself. Yeah. But uh, to our American listeners, yeah, which is weird to say. Yeah. Because we have international listeners, which blows my mind. But, it's uh, wild, yeah. To our uh, American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> and uh, to all our uh, fellow collectors, happy Black Friday. You know, yeah. That's almost just a holiday in itself for us. <laughs> Pretty much. It's uh, Christmas before Christmas, if you yeah. will. And fuck you, Severn, for charging $55 for a release. That's you, fucking ridiculous. Do you even want to talk about this? I don't know, man. I'm so aggravated with Severn that I don't even know if I want to get into it. Uh, yeah, it's quite grisly. Bring the mic a little closer to your mouth. Oh, woo, woo. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. Yeah. You're drifting a little bit. Dr- Tokyo style. <laughs> Tokyo drifting. <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> drifting up in this bitch. What if when you drift, it was like... Yep. Yep. You think it'd be as popular? Probably not. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm so aggravated with Severn right now. I don't even want to think about it. Am well, I going to buy him? Yeah, probably. Because I love Cemetery Man, and I've wanted to see Spider Labyrinth forever. Yeah. But I'll be damned if I'm buying anything else from Severn tomorrow. I mean, how could you? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And you see the 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 whole shebang bundle? They're, they're calling it the Black Mask bundle, how much that was? No. $500. God almighty. The one that was like just the disc was like two something. Yeah. But like when I saw that, I was like, well, maybe it won't be so bad. Yeah. No. No. 55. 
Fuck you. That's dumb. For what? Four discs? Four discs. It's a 4K, two Blu-rays, and a CD. See, and that's the thing about it, too. It's not even like it's like... It's not four discs and like, oh, you're getting like four movies. No. It's just two cuts of the movie mm-hmm. on 4K and Blu-ray. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I don't know what the third Blu-ray is. Special features? I, look, in what world do we need two Blu-rays? Look, I, I I know some shit about Blu-ray and whatnot, right? Blu-rays are about twenty-five gigabytes mm. in the how much you can put on them. You fucking you fuck you fuckers don't know about handbrake. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't know how to shrink shit down. Even then, it's like I don't know, man. Because that's like the Blu-rays you're using. You know what I mean? Like, what about industry Blu-rays? I don't know. Well, Dual-layer Blu-rays are fifty gigs. Yeah, four K is a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Why can't you just put all the special features on the 4K then? I mean, I'm assuming they are. Then why do you need two Blu-rays for all that? Because how many special features do you have on here? I don't know. Apparently enough that you have to have two Blu-rays. That's fucking absurd. I only Severin. Severin's the only company I can think of right now that still does the like two discs, one disc just for special features. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And then the CD, man, like, I like music, mm-hmm. and Cemetery Man has good music. Yeah. But it's like, I think we talked about this before, like, me and you talked about this, is like, unless it's in its own little sleeve, I really don't want to fucking go to my room, take the movie out, open the case, take the disc out, put it in my car, you know, yeah. like. What's like, I will say shout out to Grindhouse releasing for having the individual CD. Sleeves. So you could just put the sleeve in your car and it yeah. just lives there. It lives there. You know, you don't have to have it in the case, you exactly. know. Exactly. And it is not, like, it doesn't take up much room in the case, so, you know, you can just put it on the shelf and not have to worry about it. I don't understand why we keep doing this. Like, most of Vinegar Syndrome, like, 4K Blu-ray combos are, what, like, $35, $40? Yeah. What is it about Severin's that makes it go from, like, that to 55 well, and 45, what, Spider Labyrinth's what, two discs, three discs? Spider Labyrinth is three discs. Why? I don't know. It doesn't even say, uh, like, the, the other disc of what they are. I guess it's two Blu-rays and a 4K. And it's 45. It's like, okay, you have so many special features that it can fit on one 4K, but it has to be put on two Blu-rays? Yeah. Like, how many special features do you really have on this disc? <sighs> that it know. couldn't just fit on one disc? I don't. It, it's, it's getting absurd. Yeah. That's what? what this is about, though. No. We should be giving thanks. I am thankful Spider Labyrinth's coming out. It's a movie I've wanted to see for a long time. Yes. And I'm thankful for Cemetery Man, but fuck you for those processes. Yeah, those processes are... Look, look I we have been Severin, you know, you know, supporters and, like... Defenders. Defenders for a long time now. This shit's getting insane, guys. It really is, yeah. Like, I know you guys are not listening. No. David Gregory? You some bitch. Listen to it, David Gregory. <laughs> oh, no. No, I ain't gonna. I'm sorry. But it, who wants to pay that much money for that shit? It, like, the first time was what? Like, what was the first big release that did like that? Oh, God. I remember the Four Flies one. Yeah, it was probably Four Flies. Because I remember that year clicking on that and being like, God damn. Like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> Well, it's win. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, too, like, um, I hate that we're talking, we're fucking shitting on stuff while, while we should be positive on an episode about something really cool. Well, this was news that came out that literally happened today. I wasn't happy about it. Yeah. I just don't, I don't get it. And I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to buy them. 
It's like I'm gonna be like, God damn, you take it. Take my money, fuckers. Fuck some boots. <laughs> yeah. Because I want Cemetery Man. Yeah. <sighs> I, the thing is, like, I'll wait for a standard. I can't. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be, but it's like, I don't know. I like, just don't have I always say I'm the biggest hypocrite because even though I complain about the shit, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Just like Men Behind the Sun, I complained about it, but guess who owns them? <laughs> yeah. Me. <laughs> but at least I admit it, right? True. And they, they finally did show up. They though. did show That's up. The thing. And they're decent releases. I'm not yeah. going to say like the best things ever, but... Uh, no, nothing too is like... A, like I mean, here, here's what I'll say. Here's how I'll be positive for Severin. At least they ain't doing two DVDs uh, for a movie. Oh God! It's like philosophy of an Oh my God! Like when it was two discs, I assumed like one disc was the movie and one disc was special features. You're like, no, dog. I'm pretty sure it's split on both. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I look. I understand that you know it's a long movie. It's, it's a long, a very movie. long, movie. very long movie. But come fuck on. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> it's like I know Showa. Like I'm pretty sure like the Criterion one had to be split up too, but that's also like a nine hour movie or some yeah. shit. Yeah. Dog. There ain't no way. Four hours? You could have just done a Blu-ray? It's like I know it would have been the highest quality because it was shot on digital. But come on! Yeah, right. Like, that's insanity. I haven't checked to make sure that is the case, but if it is... I'm pretty sure on the back of the the DVD you see that. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. That is so wild. But the the thing for me, too, is, right, with, like, Vinegar Syndrome, which, again, I don't want to, like... Like, Vinegar Syndrome has done shit in the past that I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. on to. You know. But, like, recently they dropped a Bloodsucking Freaks, right? Which, it's, it's a 4K and Blu-ray. With a reversible fucking slipcover. Yeah. How the hell that? I don't understand that. I don't understand how it's possible, but... They're gonna have Transformers soon. <laughs> yeah, you, like you put the you put the case on there and you hit the button. Like, <laughs> and it just starts screening the movie <laughs> yeah, on another screen. Like the disc comes out, it'd be thirty dollars or something like that because that's <laughs> how they roll. Yeah, but again, it's a reversible slip cover, a cut, you know, an insert cover that's reversible, and it has special features. That was thirty five. Yeah, you get box sets for like sixty. Yeah, and uh, if they can do it, then what? I don't know. <sighs> the joys of being a collector. Sometimes it gets frustrating. It does. You could be like, well, just don't do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> Fuck mm-hmm. you. Fuck you. It's my passion. It's the one thing I like doing. It's the only thing that keeps me alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that keeps me alive. <sighs> but yeah. <laughs> so it's like we're talking about our DVD, right? Mm-hmm. We've had to split it up onto two. Yeah. Because literally, literally because of size reasons. Yeah. That, the, the one is going to be a move, the full thing. Yeah. And the second one's going to be special features. Yeah. <laughs> not not split up into fucking t- one movie split on the two discs. <sighs> it's like those old wrestling DVDs. It really is. It's yeah. Like show part one, show yeah. part two. <laughs> it's like uh, was it I don't mid south like King of the Death match. It's, it's like not one, not two. It's like put in disc two for <laughs> to play. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to shout out to Goblin. I'm sure yeah. he gets that reference. <laughs> Ian Rotten. <laughs> Fuck Ian Rotten. <laughs> That's for big true. But uh Anyway. We got things to talk about that are not boutique or label related. No. Um But with, but it, it's more positive shit, definitely. Yes. Uh but before we get into it, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I just want to say I'm thankful for all of our listeners. Yes. I'm thankful all for all are, of you. Uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. And I'm um, very thankful to, you know, again, I don't bring it, I try not to bring it up too often on the show because I try to keep things separate. 
but everyone who's supported Sin over the last year, and uh, I, know I you know, announced the official DVD. Official release. Of uh, two movies from uh, Friends of Mine. Yeah. Where is it from? Uh, UK. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Cherish and Not Long Now from yeah. um, Matt Freck, as well as Gabe. Mm-hmm. Smash Mind. Smash Mind, yes. And, um, yeah, I'm very thankful that people have seen, you know, saw all the trailers and stuff that I posted about it and very stoked on it. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for all you guys' support of the last year. And I can vouch for them. Um, I've seen them. Yeah. And I don't have a dog in this race. I don't make money from sin or anything like no. that. So <laughs> You get free product. All I get that's is free deep. <laughs> yeah. so that's all I get. Um, and they're both really good. Yeah. They're both, both very cool fucking short films that are well worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. They're super fun. And I'm the UK. And I'm the UK. But yeah, it's just a good example, you know, showing that independent cinema is still alive and well. Speaking of. Yes. Something else I'm very thankful for. Stephen Grischuk. Our homie. And Box Creep Films. So yeah, yes. that's what this episode's about. We're going to do a uh, review of Blackheart's Collectors Club, yes. and then we're going to kick it over to a really fun interview we did with him talking about all things Blackheart Collectors Club. Yes. This will probably be the longest episode of Mild Symptoms yeah, ever is right now. Especially since we just went on... How long was that rant? Oh, Lord. About 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, be all right. <laughs> about 10 minute rant on Severin. It'll at least be an hour and change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just want to kind of put this out here. We talked about it a little bit in the uh, in in the interview as well, and I brought it up when we talked about Jonathan Doe. I, I just don't ever want people to think that we're giving these movies positive reviews because we're friends with these people. Yes. We, we are, would not do that. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, when we're going to be talking about uh, Black, Heart, uh, Black Heart Collectors Club, it's like, even though I do love the movie... And like there is criticisms that I that I and you both have. Yeah, for sure. You There's know? criticisms we'd have over you know the art of self harm or even flesh games or you know et cetera et cetera. Man lives and stuff we've done for the show. You know. Yeah, and we've we've always talked about our criticisms. Yeah, and when it comes to, like Stephen, Stephen is our friend. Right. And uh, you know he, we we consider him a really good friend. Yes, absolutely. But like the way I discovered his movies was way before we ever started talking. Yeah. He would just listen to the show and wrote in, and Jonathan Doe. One day when we were interviewing him, we were talking off air, asked me if I was ever going to make something. And I said, yeah, but it probably wouldn't be the tonally what people would expect. Yeah. Because we're talking about fucked up movies. I was like, it's probably more goofy and fun. And he's like, oh, my friend actually makes like fun splatter movies. Yeah. It's Box Creek Films. And I put the two and two together. Mm-hmm. Went and bought the movies and watched them. And immediately it was like, Matt, you need to see these. Yeah. You brought them to my room. I put them in and I watched them. Yeah. And I loved both. Yeah. So it was like... You know, I, I even, fuck. I even added the movies to Letterbox. For yeah. fuck's sake, <laughs> we I, we were both fans before we ever became friends. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I just want to put that out there. I don't think anybody would necessarily cure, uh, like uh, um accuse us of that. Yeah. But just to be on the safe side, I just want to put that out there that like yes, we are friends, but we're giving our honest opinion on the movies. Yeah. Um, and we will always do that to the day we're done with this. Yeah. I mean, it does help when like someone like Steven, who is super nice and super awesome yeah. and, and cool as hell, makes great shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Absolutely. Let's get into the Black Hearts Collectors Club. First of all, love that fucking name. Yes, it's a very great name. Um, the Black Hearts Collectors Club is a group of assassins hired by the President of the United States, played by Steven's dad. Yes, it, it's essentially like government-like appointed um, almost like th- like thieves. It's almost like Repo Men. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, like if you ever seen the movie, uh, 
Repo Man. <laughs> Repo Man, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that in a way. Yeah, it, it does have a little bit of... It is like uh, Repo Man on a micro budget. Yeah. In, in a way. So what they do is they have like put chemicals in the water supply hmm. that causes a black tumor to grow on your heart. Yes. Uh, the Black Hearts Collector Club then seek out the people and uh, kill them. Yeah. And harvest their hearts to feed to these little aliens known as Borks. 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 Which, <laughs> I, anytime I hear that name, mm-hmm. I just think about like all those like 2000s like dog memes. It's like, oh, he's, oh, he's a Borker. I think about the, the the time I was the ultimate, like when I became an uncle truly. Yeah. When you were a kid <laughs> and you were watching PewDiePie. <laughs> Oh, and uh, <laughs> you yeah. were like, I was like, what you watching? You're like, oh, PewDiePie. I was like, who's that? Well, he's a he's a Swedish YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, I actually, I, I speak a little Swedish. And I was like, oh, yeah? Yeah, and I went, fucking Swedish chef. I was proud of that moment. I will forever be proud of that moment. And that day, I was like, I am an uncle. Uncle manifest. But anyways. Yes. They feed the hearts to the Borks. Yes. And then they fight the Borks in, like, little fucking... Illegal cage matches. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not illegal, though, because they're being ran by the President of the United States, and they're making a shit ton of money off these Bork fights. Yes. So they want to keep that up. Yes, they, they want to keep, keep it underground, though. Mm. However, a man by the name of Jason Almond. Yes. My fat ass thought he was saying... Almond, because I like almonds. <laughs> you have a whole bag in your room right I now. got like a two-pound bag of almonds. And I got to slow down, though. Yeah. My shits are getting a little little rough. <laughs> I don't know if people need that information. Don't, don't eat too many seeds and nuts. It'll make your shits painful. <laughs> Dude, there was a point in time, like, when I, like, I was on, like, clearly I'm not now, but I was in a big health kick, mm. and I was, like, eating, like, protein cookies and fucking, like, you know, granola bars. My shits were horrible. Yeah. It was, like, shitting out literal rocks. I, at one point, uh, tried the hunter-gatherer diet. Oh, my God. I don't know if you God. know about that, where yeah. it's, like, you eat, like, nuts and seeds and meat. Yeah. Razor blades. It was, like, shitting razor blades. It's horrible. Man, anyways. Yeah. Jason Allman. <laughs> Jason Allman. He is a uh, rebel against the Black Hearts Collectors Club. Yes. And uh, he is going out and killing the collectors and uh, beginning a revolution and a rebellion against them where copycat people, killers are also beginning to take out the Black Hearts Collectors Club. Yes. So essentially, the president sends out his two best assassins mm-hmm. to go take out Jason Allman while Jason Allman looks to take them out. Yes. And that is the Black Hearts Collectors Club. Yes. Um, a very, very like complex yeah. story for a micro budget. And once again, uh, again, not saying this because we're friends, saying that one more time. Mm-hmm. This, it works so well. It does. It's absolutely. so ambitious. Yeah. This movie, okay. This is your selling point to everybody. Mm-hmm. You've got gore. Yeah. You've got blood. Mm-hmm. You've got humor. Mm-hmm. You've got fucking stop motion clay monsters really good stop motion too. yes like I, I i noted that that how good the stop motion was it's like we were watching the other day probably a movie we'll do on uh oh, miles yeah. Simpson's eventually blood sick psychosis yeah and i noted the same thing there it's like oh they actually put a lot of time and effort into the stop motion yeah steven stop motion this movie is excellent yes it's fucking incredible it, lo- it looks like something out of like ray harryhausen it's stuff. smooth very yeah. smooth um 
Yeah, and it, it's just, it's just an all around like fuck fest yeah. of like <laughs> of, of mammoth proportions on a micro budget. I it's mean, insane. it's just like you know, gore set piece after gore set piece after gore set piece stunts. Yes, you know. Hey. He sets himself on fire. Yeah, if you need a selling point, that's the selling point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. buy this movie. He set himself on fire for it. <laughs> yeah. Not once, not twice, not three times, not even four times, not five times, but just in the, inter- in the interview later on, ten times. Yes. <laughs> and it looks great. Yeah. It's a crazy looking stunt. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things I really like in this movie. And, like, you know, I told Steven in the interview, too, um, that I feel like he has progressed a ton. Yes, he absolutely from has. From Vapor Green to this, which is super impressive. Yeah, from all the way from, like, Cold Space Blood Red to this, like, and, Vapor, you know, to Vapor Green to Blackheart Collectors Club, it's insane the growth he's had. Mm-hmm. Like, not, e- not even just in the, like, you know, the writing and directing departments, but I'm talking about, like, even, like, his editing and et cetera. Yep. Everything is because he does a lot of this, if not all of it himself. Very DIY. Yes, this and, is, and that's the thing that's like super admirable about Stephen's work. Like when you watch it, and what really shows off, it's like the effects may not always be perfect, hmm. and they may be rough around the edges, but they give off that feeling that this dude sat in his like little spork space, yeah, by himself, and figured out how to make this work. Yeah, and that like that style is always like super fucking like charming very charming and like color space blood red he makes a whole spaceship in his like in a corner of his room yeah which i don't know how you can hear that and not be like oh whoa i want to see that and like when you see stop motion animation monsters in this movie yeah it's like you gotta like he's like it may not like click immediately but you really sit there and think about how much work goes mm-hmm. into stop animation like stop animation is hard <laughs> takes a lot of time takes a lot of time um but yeah, overall, this movie is so fucking fun. Yeah, it's a blast. Like the only criticism I personally have with it is the like during certain scenes, like there's these like little, um, like edited like montage type things, like transitions. Yeah, like transitions. And I, I would say like maybe there's just a little too many. Hmm. Maybe, I, maybe my only thing was I didn't feel like they were super needed. Yeah, I'd like I do like the way they look though. They look crazy. They're fun. Yeah, you know. But uh, they're very trippy looking. Yeah. And um, I get the purpose of them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't hurt the movie necessarily no, no, at all. No. It's just like, that. I do have that same kind of criticism where it's like, I don't necessarily know if these were needed. Yeah. Um, like, even like even if you're going to have them, like, like, just a little, just a couple of them. Not yeah. Or just a little shorter. Yeah. A little shorter, yeah. yeah. That, that probably would help, too. Yeah. But besides that, like, there, I have literally nothing else to complain about with this The movie. performances, I think, are pretty damn solid for yeah. a micro-budget film. Like, you brought it up in the interview as well, because we, we actually did the interview before. We did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, like Stephen's dad plays the, the president. Mm-hmm. And there's moments where he, like... He's intimidating almost. Yeah, he feels like a like a fucking like corrupt he, old man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, he has this very like authoritative you know mm-hmm. presence on the screen, and it's very he does a very great job. Yeah, I love Stephen's dad. Yeah, he's he's great, <laughs> and like also the fucking outtakes that are the end of these like all all three of the movies are all super fun too. Yeah, and the bonus feature on the disc of him setting himself on fire, like the process of that is great. It's very tense as well. It's super well done too. It really shows the full process of like doing it. Yeah, and how they get got to the point they got to. Yeah, and like it's kind of hard to describe like what this movie is on a genre scale mm. because it's like it's a horror movie, it's a sci-fi movie. Yep. It's also a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's also got 
you know elements of drama it's got elements of this like it's a it like all all the pieces come together in a way that um not a lot of people would be able to pull off yeah but somehow Steven's able to like take the reins of that. Yeah, it's like you know I compare like I've talked to it before and told Steven this as well that like he reminds me of directors like James Bell, yeah, or Joe Meredith, or Lucky Cerruti, or um, Dustin Mills back in the day. Yeah, you know a director who has this vision for a film and like refuses to let the budget compromise that vision yeah you know they're going to create these monsters they're going to do these effects you know they're going to make it work the best they can to fit their story you know in this story he needed a fire stunt and he did it yeah you know and i think that's super admirable because i feel like you know you know you'll see it when you watch my short films yeah and when short shits comes out if you choose to buy it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I always try to keep my stories very small. Yeah, keep the cast very small, keep everything very low key. That way, I can always make it work. Right. These guys come up with these ambitious visions and make it work, and that's fucking, you know, that's super fucking crazy and cool. Yeah, and what's crazy too is like you look at someone like Brian Pollan's work. Yeah, right? Brian Pollan's another one. Yeah, well, Brian Pollan's been doing this for like almost thirty years, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> so. And these guys have started relatively recently with their mm-hmm. films. Can you imagine what their films are going to look like within like ten years from now? Yeah, they're going to be insane. Yep. And I and again, I hope all the, all those guys keep at it. Yep, for sure. Like you can even see like the growth and like especially like like James Bell's stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Like his effects just kept getting better and better and yep. better. And now even you know I'm talking about Stevens, you know his body of work like. Everything just keeps looking better every time he does it. And you know, talk about a guy we're definitely gonna cover on mild symptoms yeah. at some point. Maybe heck, maybe main show. I don't maybe. know. Maybe we'll figure that out. Uh, Joe Meredith, I just recently introduced you to his work. Yeah, how crazy it is. Um, he makes dystopian, post-apocalyptic, cyberpunkish Alien. monster movies. <laughs> Alien movies. Yes, with stop motion and craziness and on no budget. Yeah. It's fucking. It's insane. cool to see guys like him and Steven and them. You know. It's oh just yeah. Like it. it re- it's inspiring. It know? really is. It's like shit. I need to be doing something. Yeah. I. I. It's like. What am I doing? Yeah. Exactly. You know. It's like. I'm just sitting here on my ass while every. You know. Uh, other people on. You know. Very little money are doing the best they can, and it's fucking great. Yeah. It's not like Steven was sitting there with a crew of people and an effects artist. No. And, and he was just kind of like, all right, this needs to look like this. No. He was like, all right, this is the effect I got to pull mm-hmm. off. How do I do that? Yeah, and did it himself. You, you know, you know what help he did have on the movie? He had Jonathan Doe help shoot the fire stunt. Yeah, he had friends and family, mm-hmm. and that's it. Uh, DIY as it fucking gets, and he pulled off a fucking cool ass movie with a lot of crazy elements. Like when you break that plot down, it's pretty intricate, very intricate. Like, it, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I I truly truly do love this movie. Yeah. I love Steven's work. I can't wait to see what's next. Absolutely. You know. Um, be sure to, to pick up his stuff. For sure. Bach Creep Films. And again, I'll, I, I'll keep stating, I'll state it to the, the gals come home, as they say, right? I'm not, we're not saying this shit because we're friends. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, like, I feel like some people might be like, mm, I don't know. You know, you're, you're you're friends with the guy, so you know whatever. No, I don't think our listeners would be that way. But <laughs> well, I mean, so there might be someone who comes in and listens and yeah, isn't, yeah, yeah. isn't familiar. Like Stephen Grishchuk, wasn't he on the Gore trilogy episode? Uh, yeah, 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 he was. But yeah, 
but we 100% support everything he's doing and love his work. And it's like, you know, you always hear that that, that motto, like, support independent horror. Yeah. And I only partially agree with that. I do think you do need to support independent horror, but you need to support good independent horror. Yeah. You need to support guys like Steven, like Joe Meredith, like Lucky Sarudi, like Bruce Longo, like David Dawson, Jonathan Doe, Brian Pollen. You yeah. know, these guys are the guys that you need to give your money to. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so... Yeah, all all make great shit. I think we've verbally sucked off Steven enough. <laughs> we we sucked, we, we sucked off a lot of people. Yeah, we just got Glory Hole City up in here. That check from Box Creek Films might should clear now, so we can. Uh... Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> wait for that check to clear. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw uh, saw in uh, the group chat earlier. Uh, they sent a, a, a screenshot of it was from uh, Donald Farmer's Facebook page. No. Okay, he got a check from Troma. Okay. And for one, they misspelled his name. <laughs> it's Donald Farmer. Get him. <laughs> they, they simply he made, didn't deserve that last D. <laughs> and they only paid him twelve dollars. I've heard some things about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it, what he posted was hilarious, though. He was like, he was like, trauma uh, making it rain on me right now. Can't <laughs> wait to go get myself a happy meal. What did they put out by Donald Farmer? I have no idea. Oh my god I need some pizza I'm hungry Yeah But uh, yeah Box Creek Films Go buy all that shit Absolutely You know it, It's well worth your time We yeah. promise Absolutely I promise I promise mm, If you like independent horror Some people just don't like independent horror Then you know what I mean what, That's what, a bummer If you don't like independent horror Then why are you here Yeah I mean, a lot of the shit we cover is independent. It's the lifeblood of horror. Yes. You know I mean, it's it's where the future... Where do you think fucking Romero started? Exactly. Like, when you look at something like fucking Not Living oh. Dead. <laughs> not Living Dead, I imagine, did not have a gigantic, massive fucking budget. No. All that was fucking, you know, him and people he knew. Yeah. Agreed. It starts... You, guys, you start somewhere. Yeah. And the way the film industry is now is completely different than it used to be. It so. is a lot different. But but that's a story for another time. Probably not on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm going to eat some pizza and watch Iron Chef. Hell yeah. <laughs> I Look, go pick up Steven's movies. Yep. Watch the Blackheart Collector's Club. Yep. You know, watch all three of them back to back. They're, yeah, they're all, all great. And like all three together are about a, sh- about a feature length. Yep. And uh, after that, watch Modern Chef. Yeah. My boy, Chinkinichi. Chinkinichi's a goat. He's the goat. He's a fucking goat. <laughs> he gooned his ass off in that one episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note. All right, we're sending it off to Steven. Yeah. Here's Steven to talk about the Black Arts Collectors Club. Hell yeah. All right, so the last time we had you on, you uh, dropped the bomb that the new movie was called <laughs> The... What are you laughing about that, Matt? <laughs> well, you just like dropped the, dropped the bomb. <laughs> you yeah. use this fucking 90s fucking terminology I'm old what do you want from me <laughs> <laughs> anyways that uh, the new movie was the Black Hearts Collectors Club and uh, I guess I want to kind of go back just a little bit at what point did this become a trilogy of films was it always set to be a trilogy or did that kind of develop as things moved along um, as I was making the second film in the trilogy Vapor Green I kind of started to figure this should be a trilogy of colors. Um, I had color space blood red, and I kind of think of red as being like, you know, maybe we were born in blood kind of a thing. Vapor green, like you're growing, like nature grows is green. 
And then the last movie had to be black, obviously, because after black, there's nothing left. It's like death, right? But that's dumb artsy crap that no one in their right mind is ever going to figure out or care about. So, but uh, if anybody really wanted to know or be analytical, I guess you could look at it like that. Well, it's it's, it's like um, where I was in, like you know, studying graphic design and stuff. Like I, I had to study color theory, so I kind of I, I get it. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah black, I, black was just the obvious color that had to be last. I just feel like there's just nothing beyond black. Yeah, right. I, and I'm like a sucker for like universes. Like I try to like t- anytime something is like a trilogy, whether it's a trilogy in like thematics or like you know characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I want to figure out the lore. Do you have a lore? Like, is there in your like, is this world like a cohesive world or is it just more like a thematic trilogy? I'm, I'm super glad that you mentioned that because as a matter of fact, all three movies do kind of take place in the same universe. And I can explain how they're all tied together briefly here. Um, The premise for Color Space Blood Red is set far in the future. And the premise of that movie is that someone goes to a distant planet and collects little creatures to bring back. Now, in Vapor Green, the post-credit scene is filmed by a channel called 8Live, which is in the bottom little corner of the screen. It says 8Live. 8Live is also the channel that filmed the execution in the Blackheart Collectors Club. And the whole premise for that movie is to have little monsters fight each other. Little monsters that are captured from a distant moon, just like in Color Space Blood Red. So they all actually do tie together in the same universe yeah see that's the kind of stuff i love like i kind of like when we, we had john the doe on i kind of brought the same thing up i was like is the erotic grotesque nonsense in this world you know i like that idea that these these movies in some way are the same universe so that's really cool totally yeah and they're not chronological like color space blood red should be the last mm-hmm. even though it was first and then um vapor green is uh before the Blackheart Collectors Club. So the order of the films is a little janky, but they all do kind of go in the same universe. Well, it's kind of like um, there's this, this art film project called the Cremaster series, which they're filmed completely out of order, right? Like the like the, the first one they made was the fifth one, technically. It's like, it's all like... There's all kinds of like lore and stuff behind it. It's really interesting. Like that's what that kind of brought me in mind of. It's fun. I mean, it gets people talking about stuff. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And creates rewatchability. Like now, I want to go back and watch all three of them. Mm. Pick up on the little things <laughs> for, for Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, where did the idea for the Black Arts Collector Club come from? I wanted to kind of round out the whole trilogy idea and I knew the color had to be black and I just started driving around thinking, you know, skating and stuff. I'm like, I got to think of something, got to put out a new film this year because uh, I have, I get the itch to want to make something and I'm driving around and I'm getting ideas of set pieces in my head or all oh, that's a cool image or all oh, that character would look cool. And then I kind of create a scene at some point. Then I start developing things around the scene and I go, can I develop this scene into a full length movie? And so to say there's like a definitive moment that sparked the idea, no, but it was more like an amalgamation of a bunch of different little ideas. And then at some point it finally hits me like a truck and I can see the whole movie play out in like a fraction of a second in my head. 
and I got to pull over or stop skating or whatever I'm doing and jot it down on my phone and get the idea out before it completely goes away. So I kind of start feeling like I get the itch to make something and then the idea hits you. Yeah. Um, that, that's a very interesting like part of like the creative process. Like, um, like even it's like something as simple as like drawing something. Like if it hits you, you've got to you you got to like just put everything out of the way to do it. Totally, yeah. And if you're just drawing or sculpting in clay or whatever it is you're doing, if you start just doing something, it will evolve into something. Yeah. So when this whole idea kind of comes to me and it finally is fleshed out, at least loosely in my head, what I do is I immediately get to pen and paper and I storyboard the whole thing really quick. And then from there, I go back and script the scenes because I have images that need to be filled with dialogue and stuff. So that's kind of my process. I kind of brainstorm and think, draw pictures and whatever, and then it all gets fleshed out in like a long note on my phone, come home, storyboard the whole thing, then the script comes. That's kind of my process. That's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Were you going to say something, John? No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm not really heard of like many people do, doing that for their movies, like where it's like, um, you know, it starts on the storyboard usually, and you know, the script comes first and then the storyboard. It's very, it's very interesting. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that I do it backwards, but <laughs> visually, it just helps me to kind of see where a scene goes. Like, if I start thinking about my favorite films, I think about the set pieces and things that are built. This usually mm. first, and then what they say. It's not like I just kind of remember their dialogue. I put a face to the the famous lines or whatever it be. So I like to draw it all out first and I go, okay, these characters have a back and forth. Maybe this character is kind of a dick. Maybe this guy's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at four or five pages of, of a scene. Well, if I know that guy's grumpy, that guy's happy, I can just write them that way. Right. So I kind of fill the images with dialogue and stuff like that. That's yeah, that's really cool. It's almost like uh, like the way you make movies is kind of like how people make comic books. <laughs> yeah, or it's it's very much like a comic book. Like all my storyboards are like very crudely drawn mm-hmm. uh, comic books. Like they're all just stick figures with like different shaped <laughs> heads. And because um, I'm going, well, God, I could draw a little bit, but if I spent three hours drawing one page, I'm like, I can I can do six pages in three hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm like I just get the ideas out faster. That's what's most important. Is before the ideas are gone, I want to get a rough idea out, and I can omit pages or add more pages where issues come into play. Mm. Because when you draw it, when you see it in your head, you might go, "Oh, well, a character grabs a flashlight." Well, where does the flashlight come from? That all those little kinks get worked out as you're storyboarding. That's yeah. That's that's really cool. <laughs> that's a really cool like um, way of going about it because I've just not I'm not really heard anybody do that. It's a yeah. pain in the ass though. It's a ton of work, <laughs> um, but it's it's fun though. You have to enjoy the process or you'll never get anything done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> what were some of the inspirations for the film? Because I definitely picked up on certain like images 
in the film that seemed to be inspired by other things. One in particular, I don't want to spoil it, but definitely involves Aunt Paling. Um, but was there like any like certain like in, whether it be movies or music or whatever that kind of inspired the feel and look of the movie? Um, yeah, all the stop motion stuff was definitely you know homage to like Ray Harryhausen. Uh, Ray Harryhausen was like a very super like a super famous stop motion animator. He kind of he didn't invent it, but he kind of wrote the book on it. Where maybe Cannibal Holocaust didn't create the cannibal subgenre, but kind of put the the staple of like this is what that is. Right. To get, um, so Harryhausen kind of did that. So all the stop motion animation and Little Monsters was total homage to Ray Harryhausen. Um, there's homages to uh, Cannibal Holocaust in there, um, which is a uh, which I think is just enough touch to where you go, oh, I think that's referenced by Cannibal Holocaust, but it's not overtly yeah. Cannibal Holocaust. Like I didn't want to go, here are my influences and just dump it on everybody. They're just little nods to them, which you can still pick up on. Yeah. That's always um, the, the lead guy with the. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going to say, that's always the best way to do it. It's like you take your influences and create something new with it. Absolutely. Totally. Like I modeled um, one of my leads in that movie in the Blackheart Collectors Club um, after like a slasher kind of character. Um, you just kind of a generalization some favorite kind of slasher guys or giallos and stuff like that with the black gloves and all that kind of stuff um, which was really good when we needed to fill him in because if we had other characters who needed to <laughs> fill that role we could just throw a black glove on somebody and you can't tell whose hand it is yeah oh yeah what's we like do it <laughs> yeah it's like um I, I definitely know um the the you know the of course the infamous fire stunt at this point it's you know <laughs> um like you were the one in the suit during that. Yes. So yeah, that was totally me. I was doubling Shane Kepler. Yeah, and he does a lot of the uh, the other work as the character, but it's probably other people too throughout the entire movie. I imagine. Yeah, um, it's ninety five percent of the time it is Shane. Um, there was one makeup shot we needed to get where my arm is in the sleeve and my hand is on the shot, but you'd have no idea it was me. Um, and there's also a brief moment where my dad played as well. Um, oh, okay. I don't think anybody ever pick up on that either. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I know I didn't. <laughs> so, which is good. And I and then it was me doubling for the fire stunt because I couldn't light one of my best friends on fire. That's a horrible <laughs> thing to do. But I could light myself and feel about it. So, right. Um. Your dad does an amazing job as the president. And I don't think I realized that was your dad for a while. Like not until like maybe talking to you. Um, what's it like having your dad on set? Cause he's wonderful in these films, honestly. Like he's so charming. <laughs> That's super cool to hear. Thanks. Yeah. My, my dad's uh, awesome. My, my mom and dad are both actually pretty supportive of all this. They think it's super fun. And uh, my dad, just gets a total kick out of seeing himself on screen. <laughs> so he's like, dude, the more uh, blood you want to shed, the more you want to kill me, the more you want to do this or that. Just let's just go for it. You know, 
he he in my some films like color space blood red he was he liked it a lot but he goes i should be on screen more (laughs) (laughs) so the bigger the batter roles i can give him the better and people seem to really like his performance so it's a win win, win. i do think at times he's intimidating like there's times where he's giving his speeches where i'm like he seems like a guy who would fuck somebody up you know like, yeah <laughs> yeah he he played the president of the united states but i kind of wrote him like a mob boss mm. yeah 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 definitely yeah there's definitely moments where he's like it's like yeah i could get someone to take you out at any moment just just remember that you know it's kind of like that's kind of like the type of dialogue he delivers and it's like ooh, yeah that's good shit <laughs> i'm glad that it came across because that's totally what i was doing i would i remember kind of going over things with him before we'd shoot and he'd go so i'm not gonna have an american flag pin and i would go well no i said you're you're so corrupt that leading the free world takes second seat to these monster fights you know so I kind of wanted to write him as a despicable kind of guy. Yeah. And, and, and uh, hearing him say Bort Juice was a holiday <laughs> film for me. I love that. I laugh really yeah. like that. <laughs> I, mean, if, I mean, I'm almost strictly a water drinker, but if somebody out there wants to make me a glass of Bort Juice, I'm probably going to drink it. <laughs> I, would, I would love a glass if anybody's got some Bort Juice. <laughs> Somebody's in the like, Bort Juice. I'm like, that's fucking great. <laughs> Need a, lot to make people, a... a lot of people really loved that bit they're like dude your dad's commercial with the bork juice was amazing mm. <laughs> yeah, so good somebody needs to make a soda <laughs> called bork juice oh yeah maybe i'll put it out as a special release someday that'd be amazing oh my god yeah that would be so sick <laughs> bork juice edition at some point down the road i always wanted to put out a thing of hot sauce Maybe it's like a rubber Maybe chicken. That's pork juice, you know. Maybe that's pork juice. <laughs> that be pork juice. <laughs> what inspired the Borks? Because, like, I to think about me and the way my brain works, the, the idea of doing stop animation, I'd be like, "Fuck, that's daunting. <laughs> I don't want to do that." <laughs> but you just jumped double feed right into it, and, and they came out really fucking great. So where that yeah. where that idea come from? Thanks. I uh, I love stop motion. I used to make stop motions when I was a kid, uh, and I haven't made them for 15 years or so, but I wanted to have a return to form, and I said I can do it right now. I have a little more equipment. I, uh, I have, um, because of certain timing things, I figured if I shoot on these days and I do stop motion on these days and I build props on these days, we might be able to crank out this movie before too long. So I, it was some of the busiest time of my life because I would, I spent in total probably 24, 25 hours animating um, just the stop motion stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's daunting for sure. I shot it all on a green screen in my room and I would <laughs> animate on different sessions about four hours at a time was about the longest I could animate. And by the end of it, I'd go, dang, that was awesome. Let me see what I got. And I'd play it back, and I got eight seconds of <laughs> animation. And um, um, what I did is I had edited the scenes that needed the animation already. So I would go, okay, well, if I'm shooting 15 frames a second, it's 15 pictures uh, a second. And I'd go, I got eight seconds to fill here, 12 seconds to fill here, um, 
25 seconds to fill here. And I would just kind of do the simple math and figure out how many pictures I needed to fill that amount of animation time. I hope that makes yeah. sense. It does. It <laughs> no, sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's just I'm just like, okay. man, there's just no maybe I just don't have the patience for something like that, but I'm like, damn, that's 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 a lot of work. <laughs> well, it, it, was cool. it was cool. I could close the door and, and um turn up just some metal in my room, just listen to metal for hours and hours and take pictures and it was fun. It was cool. I would always ha- uh, find my back was really sore afterwards because I would be bending over and trying to bend little creatures a fraction of a millimeter, you know? Yeah. I didn't want to have really choppy animation either. I wanted it mm. to look pretty smooth. Yeah. Because I've seen some stop motion in the underground film circles that I'm going, eh, that could be a little better. You're just cutting corners. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do that. So I really took my time with the animation to make them as smooth as I could have at the time. Yeah, and that and that shows, you know, absolutely because like when they like revealed the the Borks and they're like fighting each other, it's yeah that absolutely shows like the amount of time and work you put into it. Yeah, I definitely noted it like when we first watched it, where I was like, "That's really smooth. Like that looks really good." That's so. great. I'm glad that came across. Um, and this is a very effects heavy movie. Talk a little bit about like like what goes into that. Like, not that your other movies didn't have effects because like was, you know, color space blood red, a person gets ripped to smithereens by an alien. But like this, you know, I feel like you did definitely step up the gore factor a little bit in this one, as there's multiple killings and multiple, like you know, talk about the homage to Cabal Holocaust, which could not have been an easy effect. It looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, just talk a little bit like what goes into like creating an effects heavy driven film when you are working on like skin type budgets like i'm working on um you pretty much got to use whatever resources you have at hand and you got to get a little creative so um uh luckily for me in my store in my uh town i have an effects store like a special effects makeup store which is a benefit that not a lot of people have Uh, but i can go there and i can get latex i can get plaster and get silicone i can get um mold uh release i can get all these cool things that that pigment for different colorings and things like that things that um uh, i'm learning to use and as i'm learning to use these things i'm making films with them as well um so just a few trips to the effects store for some plaster and making some molds and clay and all sorts of fun stuff like that i'm working in different mediums and things and learning a little bit about mold making silicone like i use silicone prosthetics i think for the first time on film in this last movie um, and uh yeah there's just a lot of prep i make a lot of messes i get i get crap and sticky things everywhere like i'm always ruining pants and like <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to you need to get a I pair of pants ex- exclusively for that know. What's that? Sorry. Oh, oh no! I, I was saying I was like, I, I, you need to get a pair of pants exclusively for doing that kind of work. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I um, actually worked on a, a short film that Jonathan Doe made, doing effects work for one of his things. Um, this should be coming out at some point. But he shot a number of shorts, so I don't know on which release it's going to come out. But uh, some of my it's simple effects work, but it's some of my most realistic looking effects work I've ever done. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, thing about this one too is the, you know, we had to talk about it. We got to talk about the the elephant in the room, if you will, the fire stunt. Um, 
and that uh, it seems insane that you would even attempt this on the budget that you have. Uh, <laughs> I know when you messaged us and said you were going to do it, I was immensely terrified and yeah. very concerned that you were going to get hurt <laughs> and was waiting for you to message back because everything went okay. <laughs> so thankfully it did, and it looked incredible on film. Just talk a little bit about the process that, like, where did you get with the ideal? Like, why did you get the ideal to do that? You know, what the execution of it was like, you know, stuff like that. I should have just forgot to text you guys and make sure I was okay. (laughs) (laughs) We would have been like, oh, my God. (laughs) Do an entire thing today and then never message you again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Just wait, uh, message off the door. I was like, is he okay? <laughs> He's like, is everything all right? <laughs> well, John, John told me it was such a terrible idea that every week he would send me videos of people getting caught on fire and <laughs> things happening. Every week, it was the best. And I'm like, you know, we're still going through with this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll watch this one. <laughs> he sent me another video. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, but he was there and he did a kick-ass job filming that, especially under the conditions and parameters I gave him. Uh, because that was shot on a set. That was not shot on location. Uh, so we tried to make that look as close to the location as we could because the location where we were filming at was not a safe place to light myself on fire. No. I don't know if there's many places where you can safely light yourself on yeah, fire. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but as far as wanting to do it, I've wanted to do it since I was a kid. I always had a fascination with fire and flames and a bit of a pyromaniac, if you will. <laughs> like I almost, I almost got a a job working as a, like a firework display guy one time, and um, like an apprenticeship kind of a deal there. <laughs> but I've always had a fascination with fires or things that go kaboom, spud <laughs> guns and stuff. When I was a kid, shooting potatoes all over town, like I was always in. <laughs> building crazy getting into trouble so as far as being lit on fire i've always wanted to do it and i'm like because i wanted to be a stuntman when i was a kid and i always felt like that's a staple of stunt work if you can light yourself on fire i think that firmly constitutes you as a stuntman at least in my little kid head that's what i thought like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do that So, to get into it a little bit, it's like there's a special feature on the disc of it, and it you know, you seem to do a really good job of kind of keeping everything kind of relaxed, keep everybody calm and cool. What was the the, the feeling on the set like at first? Like when you first like were starting to get prepped, what was the atmosphere like on the set? It was very um, serious at first, and I don't have like a lot of fears or worries about things i don't know what it is about my personality but i'm pretty carefree and easy going for the most part um so i was kind of laughing making little jokes and everyone's looking at me like dude you're a maniac what are you this could go so sideways right now and i'm like it's gonna be fine you know so it was a little serious at first especially my dad being there mm. he was weirded out for a couple days prior to shooting and i go you know dad you're acting kind of weird what's going on and he'd go well son i'm gonna light you on fire tomorrow that's what's going on you know and he's like i'm not really comfortable with that <laughs> and uh i said well that's exactly why you should be the guy there because you're going to make sure that nothing goes wrong yeah. so Y'all go ahead. Uh, uh, we we ended up running through the stunt. Um, 
and we did it i think as safely as we could and um it was fun to see everyone's reactions everyone's just like this is so insane and everyone's quiet as a mouse and that's why i didn't put any, a lot of music in that bonus feature thing so i wanted to show everybody how little resources were actually there to pull off what we pulled off you know there wasn't any glitz or glam we literally just created some alcohol on a jacket and lit it on fire that's about i mean what you see is what you get that's the other thing too that i want to i want to bring up real fast is the, the way you did it is it is insane like you did just like spray the back of the jacket and we're like all right let's roll I'm, me and John were watching this together, and we we're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what? Why did you do it that way? It's so scary." <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you have done it? Would you have done it any differently? I, I, I wouldn't have done, done it. it. I'm just gonna be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, like, it adds that extra layer to the movie. Like when you see that, you're like that's a guy on fire. That's not that's not CG. That's not After Effects. <laughs> that's a practical effect and like regardless of like how you feel about the film at the end of the day you have to be like you know well he did light himself a fire fist movie so you got to give him that yeah (laughs) passion (laughs) is what this man has (laughs) true thank you yeah i um and you know what if nobody ever saw the damn movie that's okay too i i'm just i just walk around and i kind of look at people and go you know i was on fire once and people are like Um, but it's something I always said I wanted to do it's funny to see people's reactions Um, like some of my friends are like dude you're completely insane why would you ever do that and then other people are like oh dude that's so cool how did you do that the one of the worst reactions I got though was the day after we finished filming the test footage because I did two different days where I had to do burns and the bonus feature you see on the DVD was just one day of burns we did a whole separate day where we did uh, just as many burns. So all in all, it's probably on fire about 10 times. Good uh, God. Yeah. And it's all for on screen for a couple minutes, you know, but as to, you got to do it for the sake of the art, you know, the film's yeah. got a story, you got to tell the story. So it had to be done. And I had a blast doing it. I actually kind of wanted to do it again sometime because it was just so fun. <laughs> but when I came home the first day from the trial run, the trial run, was not intended to be filmed for the movie at all it was all just intended to make sure that everyone was kosher with safety things and stuff like that no one who was involved was going to panic and that kind of stuff and in the event that something went wrong they knew what to do proper protocol for putting me out so when i came home my aunt called the house and she says your dad tells me you're going to light yourself on fire and I went, yes, actually, as a matter of fact, I just got put out like 10 minutes ago, you know, and it was a great time. And she laid into me, started crying and uh, it didn't go over well. She was like, why would you do that? You have so much to live for. And I'm like, well, it's not a suicidal thing. It's... <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So she was not happy. And then the next day I woke up, my other aunt came over to the house and started yelling at me too, calling me all sorts of names. And I'm like, I made it out okay. This was a success. There's no reason to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, it is... I'm sorry, John. No, go ahead, go ahead. It is just, like... It's so scary, you know? Because, like, like I've... You know, we've all heard stories of, like... You know, mainstream films where they do... You know, mainstream Hollywood budgets where they do fire stunts, and it goes horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. I was going to go out and say the fact that you had the balls <laughs> to do it is insane. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah, it was uh, it was fun, and honestly, it was a piece of cake. Uh, I had everybody there was like, "Dang, that's pretty easy." And then it'd be like, "Well, you want to get lit on fire?" They're like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it led to like honestly, like the special feature is great. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I I'll, yeah. Disc when people buy something, I like if I bought a movie and all that was on it was the film. I mean, in this day and age when everybody's throwing a bunch of cool free stuff on there, I think you should. Mm-hmm. And like I would describe it almost as wholesome. Like there's no. a couple there's a couple moments in it that are generally like oh like heartwarming. There's a moment where you kind of wrap your arm around Jonathan Doe and tell him you love him. And I was like, it all it moved me. I was like, this is actually yeah. genuinely sweet. Like these two are no. great. I love these dudes. <laughs> yeah. I I loved uh I love everybody, honest to God, with who was involved with that whole fire scene. All those people who were there, Shane, Rachel, my dad, John. I love all of them dearly, really. They've all been friends for a very long time. I grew up with Shane and Rachel, and uh, I guess I could say I grew up with my dad too, but that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I love all those guys immensely. And uh, as afraid as sometimes I think John is to say that he loves me in public, I think he loves me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a sweetheart. And uh, yeah, he was definitely very serious on set too during all the fire stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, I really don't want to see you get hurt, man. Yeah. No. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Very. Yeah, it's very wholesome. And, like, I, I would almost describe, like, the like the bloopers reels that you have as very wholesome, too. Where it's just, like, like, you can just tell how much fun you all had on set. Like, the fire stunt seemed like the one thing that was, like, legit. Like, everyone was like, okay, this is, you know, th- this could be, you know, a very urgent situation. So let's, you know, let's handle this as carefully as we can. And everyone, yeah. Yeah, we had, when we shot the first time, we had two fire extinguishers. And they were both ripping, roaring, ready to go. The second time we went to do the fire stunt, we were running out of time. The sun was going down. People were getting ready to go home. And I'm like, okay, got about an hour. We're going to shoot this whole fire thing for the next time. Bring out the fire, the same fire extinguishers that we used, and they had no oomph in them at all. They wouldn't spit out any fire retardant. So I'm doing the math in my head and I'm going, okay, none of these people are available to shoot for a month, month and a half. And I'm like, we're all right here. Set's been built and everything. And I'm like, we just got to run and gun and we just got to get this over with. So that's when everybody was a little more serious because we realized at that point, Steven's going to light himself on fire. and We don't have anything to put him out with. Jeez. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm just doing the math going, do I delay the release by a couple months or do I just do it now? And I'm like, I can do it now. <laughs> Good lord, man. That's so <laughs> <wild. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And actually Respect. one of the, the badge that I was wearing uh, uh, on one of the sleeves when we did one of the burns uh, completely caught fire. So after the fire was extinguished, I was just walking around with my shoulder on fire and I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> oh my god. Because at that point, we didn't have anything to put the fire out with. We were just kind of at the mercy of whenever the fire was just going to burn itself off. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's wild, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately, I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> and it was cool as fuck, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we did the final burn, I went, this is going to be the last one. We're running out of sunlight. This is the last shot of the day, essentially. And um, I went, just load up the jacket with a lot of product. We just want to get a big burn. So a lot of times, as soon as I was up, they would tell me, okay, you're on fire right now. And I would cue the freaking out like I'm burning up and stuff. Well, when they did the last burn, it was so significant. I knew for sure I was on fire because I couldn't see anything. There was so much, it just completely swallowed my head and it was just, everything's orange. And I'm like, all right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) My Lord, man. (laughs) It was fun. 10 out of 10, I would recommend again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, yeah, that is like, yeah. Scary shit, but at the end of the day, it worked out, and it was really fucking cool. So Yeah. Great. Good to know. So, to move away from the fire zone a little bit and to get into some uh, little things, do you consider this like a a dystopian future movie? Yeah, I do. A little bit. It's not as barren and post-apocalyptic as, you know, maybe like a zombie film would be or something, but it's kind of like teetering on right before all the shit hits the fan. Right. Yeah. And the movie's really fun and it, it does have a care of some light hardness with it. But I will say, like, without spoiling, and we're not going to spoil anything, but the ending is fairly, I would say, pretty downbeat. Um, What made you decide to do? Oh. <laughs> John has <laughs> <laughs> left the building. <laughs> Oh God! I got. Let me see if I can get it back in here. <laughs> Are you back? Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the hell just happened. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious, though. Are we still recording? Yeah. Okay. Good. What kind of amateur show am I on? Is this the open casket? <laughs> yeah. What is this? <laughs> I don't even know what happened. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, you gotta leave that in. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I don't know if it's got the same kind of effect without it being a video, but <laughs> I'll leave it because I'll give it. it means I ain't got to edit it more. So, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, as I was saying, the film has a fairly downbeat ending. I would say, you know, what made you decide to go that route with it? Um, I it was the end of the trilogy. Um, the other two films had post-credit scenes. This one really didn't. Nothing new anyway at the end, besides the bloopers and stuff. But um, this was the end of a trilogy, and I wanted to definitely cement that into the audience and go, well, there's nothing beyond this. So the downbeat thing kind of played into that a little. And it was just dark enough to give me one of those little sadistic little grins on my face every time mm. I watched a <laughs> shot. And uh, it's just a cool little nasty shot. And I went, that's actually a really good ender for this movie. Because I don't have a problem. All my stuff seems to be a little lighthearted. I can't seem to get rid of that. And it's just part of me. So I love it, really. I'm not going to try to ignore it. Um, Like you said, some of my stuff feels kind of wholesome and stuff like that. And it's just, I don't know what it is, but I got it. And I figured I might as well embrace it. But I have influences all over across the board. And so if something's a little bit darker or a little downbeat, or I don't really have a problem showing that. Yeah. And like 
I'm a sucker for like good endings. Like I talked to this about with Jonathan Doe with Defilement of Force and Doll when we interviewed him. And like there's a line that's delivered right before the credits hit and just kind of holds on to the frame for just a second. It's a great shot. And I was just like, Yeah, that's a fucking awesome ending. Like, that's great. That's the way that movie should have ended. You nailed it. Absolutely. I appreciate that. That's cool. Yeah, it was just such an we actually shot that final shot. Uh, a handful of times to get the best take with the exact lighting and everything I wanted exactly right because that was going to be kind of like the last little dark glimpse into the black, you know, that mm. uh, the film really needed to end on. So, you know, the, hero, the heroes don't win. There's really no good guys. There's really yeah. no bad guys. Every character in here is blurring the line between what's good and evil. And uh, I don't really have a problem painting with more than one color. Like all my other movies maybe had a more fun ending or a dark ending, some of them. But um, I don't have a problem doing funny movies, uh, disturbing films. I don't really have a problem painting with more than one brush. Yeah, it, it worked great. Um, and I've brought this up before because it's like, yes, we're friends, but like I would be open and honest about things as well. Um, I think you've significantly grown as a director from just Vapor Green to uh, the Black Arts Collectors Club. Like I was very impressed with a lot of the technical aspects of the film and the effects work and the stunt work and all that. Um, how do you feel you've progressed though? Like from day one to now, like where do you think you're at and like where do you think you want to be? Day one being like 10 years old filming little sure. skate videos on VHS with my friends like <laughs> Yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> if, that, if that's day one, I've come a long way, yeah. Uh, <laughs> When I first wanted to make horror movies, like an actual story-driven horror film, uh, I was out of high school. Me and some friends threw together El Pollo es Loco 1 and 2. And when we made the second one, I went, there's a significant jump here. And if I went, if I can grow that much into my next project, I'm going to start putting out legitimate releases of my stuff. And as I was working in developing Color Space Blood Red, I thought it was a significant jump from those earlier works. And then Vapor Green had a very ambitious story. This film had a very ambitious story. And I feel like if I don't grow and make a product or a film, a piece of art that I'm more proud of each time, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my audience. Yeah. So if I went, oh, this is good, but it's not as good as my earlier stuff or the last movie, I'm not going to put it out. I'm just not going to. I just don't feel like that's genuine. When I see people, especially underground filmmakers and stuff, make a movie that I feel is a little lackluster than their previous stuff, it's really disappointing because I know they're capable of more and they're kind of pulling a fast one on us and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> so I don't, don't want to kind of undermine what they've made and stuff, so I'm not going to throw out any movies or names or whatever. But I'm sure multi many of us have that same opinion. You know, for sure. We've seen people yeah. go, wow, this movie was great. And then the next movie comes out and you go, why did they do that? Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely... The, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really sure, like, what to, what to add to that. But yeah, there's definitely instances where that definitely happens, where it's like, like, oh, that's a bit of a step down, you know. Mm -hmm. And well, I don't get that from your stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, 
as yeah, an artist, just... I was really bad about putting out something that I couldn't get behind and go, this is my strongest effort yet. I would just feel really bad about it. Right. And yeah, you like from Code of Space Blood Red to Black Hearts Collector's Club, you've grown so much as a filmmaker and it's it's so cool to fucking see. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I hope that the next thing that I can put out, because now I'm, I'm realizing I've set the bar a little high for myself, because I'm pretty much a one man show. I do it all, you know. And I'm going, gosh, how do I, where do I go from here? But I got a ton of ideas cooking up. I just hope that I can do them all justice. Right. And, you know, like for anybody who's like, oh, you're just friends with the dude. It's like when, when I first bought uh, Vapor Green and Color Space Blood Red, you know, you were just messaging in. You know, Jonathan Dole told us a little bit about you, but we didn't know each other. And I watched Vapor Green and Color Space Blood Red and one night immediately went to Matt, handed them to him, was like, watch these. These are great. Yeah. You know, I am a fan of your work, you know, and I immediately, like, they can't see it, but like, I bought this day one, you know? So it's like, we're not pushing you because we're friends. We're pushing because we genuinely think that your stuff is worth supporting. So, yeah. We greatly appreciate you always coming on and, you know, all that stuff too. So, yeah, you know, buy, buy box crew films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will, I will come on your show anytime, guys. I love you guys. I love hanging out and talking. And uh, it's super cool to know that the films that my friends and I are making, running around, having a good time is having such an impact on people's lives. People are really enjoying the films and uh, liking seeing what I'm making and it's uh, really super heartwarming and humbling to know that what I'm doing is having some kind of effect on people's lives and that my art is living in people's homes all over the world right now so hearing that kind of stuff from you is really awesome to hear thanks and uh, before we wrap it up I gotta ask is there a project in the works in your head right now like what's coming next for Box Creek Films Box Creek Films, there's always something cooking. I just uh, wrapped up building my haunted house for Halloween this year, which was a total success. We had um, uh, almost 400 people just through the haunted house. Wow. We get probably twice as many in trick-or-treaters. I'm kind of known as the spooky guy around here, around Halloween <laughs> time. So now it's kind of deconstructing that and um, rebuilding some of it for a new set. And that's about what I'm going to say about that, because uh, I do have um, I have at least one project that will be happening for sure, um, possibly two projects. Um, I have a, a series of ideas, and I'm just not sure which one's going to come to the surface. Um, it's like a completed idea that should that should materialize, because most ideas are not great ideas. Most ideas are bad ideas just creatively generally speaking so um the more ideas you can think and the more you can come up with solutions to things the more fleshed out an idea becomes so if i get one that's fleshed out enough where i can actually tangibly see this as being a feasible movie for me to make i'll make that but next year we'll have a movie out but it probably won't be till the tail end of the year again because i have a project in the meantime that i'm currently working on that i can't say anything about um, and that's in the very early stages. I've already talked with uh, somebody about that, and it's coming along nicely. And uh, we're going to begin filming on that probably the beginning of the year. And uh, by the end of the year, we'll have a movie. So those are two projects I'm working on. I have to be super vague because 
I don't want to make any promises right now. Yes. By the end of the year, you can totally expect another Box Creek Films movie complete with cool artwork and uh, cool behind-the-scenes stuff or whatever it be. And so it's also very smart not to you know announce your hand and not go through with it like we have you know many a times <laughs> we don't we don't know shit's coming yeah, right. it always yeah. goes it just takes a it, time <laughs> too long <laughs> you know it's easy to do because you get excited about projects and you just go oh check this out check this out but i know from guys in bands and things and everybody goes we're putting a band together we're putting out a record we're doing this we're doing that and then nothing ever comes of it you know and uh, yeah i don't want to be that guy either i want to go here's the new trailer it's coming out in a month check it out you know yep yeah that's the way to do it yep, yep. absolutely yep <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah from you guys right <laughs> yeah 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 you know <laughs> yeah, you guys wrote the book on being consistent yeah absolutely oh, yep yep uh <laughs> Consistently inconsistent. That's, that's our motto. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, um, yeah. Just curious on my end, did you guys have a favorite one of my films that you've seen so far? I think my favorite is the the Black Arts Collectors Club. Yeah. Yep. You think so? I do. I think that your each film gets a little better and better. You know. Awesome. Yeah. Good to know. I love the other two a lot. Um, but you know, it's always good when the next film is your favorite from the person that you're a fan of because it's like that just means that they're improving and growing. And I think you are, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. But um whatever's next, you know that you can come on and talk about it. We'll have you on again. And we'll probably just have you on again just to talk. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love just talking to you guys. You guys are fun. Yeah, it's, it's always great talking to you, man. Yep. Thanks. And, well, uh, I appreciate you guys for having me on. I'm glad to be the this is gonna be mild symptoms, yeah? Yes. Yeah. I'm glad to be the first guest on mild symptoms. Hell yeah. Um, that, yeah, that, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and go yeah. to Box Creek Films, buy the movies and hail the rubber chicken. Yes. Thank you. Hail the rubber chicken. Everything's on sale right now, too. So get your asses over there. <laughs> Buy the merch. <laughs> Buy the merch. <laughs> or don't. I mean, but I recommend you buy the merch. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Thank you. All right. We'll go ahead and.